Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 34 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, man. I had a pretty good week. beautiful, gloomy, gloomy day. Yeah, it is kind of gray and gross out, but whatever. I'm down. It's cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice day to stay inside. Watch a little Jetman. Watch which, a little Chojin Sentai Jetman. Which so, we plan to do. Thankfully. up pretty quickly. <laughs> but Dave, before that, we got some stuff to take care of. We got to get through our award-winning opening segment. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. And would you like to know what the first star of the week is? I burn. I burn to know that, Matt. Okay, it's actually a bit of a follow-up star. If you recall, last week I had just bought Star Fox... Ah, uh, and I had played it for thirty minutes, and then it was time to record the coveted so, two star, two star week, two star week. That's a weird way to say that, but yeah, no. Okay, so tell me about this game. Okay, so uh, I, I already talked a little bit, a little bit about Star Fox last week, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. Okay, uh, except to say that. If you are the sort of person who likes the Wii U games that use all the bells and whistles of the Wii U, mm-hmm. like if you really dig the gamepad and the two-screen experience and having a speaker on the controller that talks to you and gives you like different information than the screen is giving you, uh, and they like separating your heads-up display from the TV and doing all like that weird stuff that the Wii U does, then you are going to be. If you dig <laughs> that, then Star Fox Zero is the game for you. Okay. Good to uh, know. If you don't, then listen. Not everybody. Not everything has to be for everybody. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about is that Star Fox, because I bought it, like I bought a physical copy at the store, and when you did that with this game, it comes with a second game. What? It's just an entirely different game called Star Fox Guard. Okay. And- no, that's awesome, right? Yes. Okay. Now let me tell you about Star Fox Guard. Star Fox Guard is a tower defense game. I love tower defense games. It is specifically like a... It's the sort of tower defense game that can only exist on a Wii U or similar thing where you have like a two-screen experience. Okay. So here's how it works. And I think it actually existed prior to being Star Fox Guard. I think it got like rebranded and put on this thing because they just hadn't done anything with it. Oh, okay. So like the fundamental game has already existed and they made it a sort of... Star Fox game, or there was yeah. already... Well, like, the, the fundamental game already existed, but was never sold. Like, it was made as, like, a tech oh, demo. Oh, okay. Uh, and they were realizing, like, we never did anything with that. We should probably, like, put Slippy in it, and now it's a Star Fox game. Yeah, sure, why not, right? So the way that it works is you are trying to defend, like, a central core of this little, like, maze structure that is built to keep attacking robots out. It's like a mining camp thing. Got it. But the way that you do that is you have 12 different uh, security cameras, each of which has a laser gun attached to it. All right. 
And on the TV, there's one main screen in the middle, which is the camera that you're currently controlling. And then around the perimeter, it's like a wall. It's like a security camera feed. Yeah, you're yeah, looking yeah, yeah. at all of the different security cameras. Um, and so using your gamepad, you switch back and forth between the different cameras. Because on the gamepad, it gives you like a sort of a, a general radar as to what's going on. Okay. But other than that, it's just like switching between cameras and trying to shoot all the robots before they get to the metal. Oh, wow. Like, okay, so this is not actually like a full-on tower defense game where you are creating structures. This is just a desperately try to defend your base. Like, this isn't an automated system. You are actively no, controlling no, 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 these no. lasers. It is the exact opposite of an automated system. Like, and you can upgrade some of the cameras and guns and stuff, but generally speaking, like, it is this weird manual thing where you are having to shift between 12 different cameras to try to stop all these cute little robots from destroying your mining camp. It's, like... That sounds super fun. It's really great. You can get it separately from um, buying Star Fox. I think it's just available in the virtual console. Oh, that might but be worth picking up. Yeah. I can just loan it to you, Dave. It's, oh, uh, you even better, definitely right? definitely try it out because I know you love tower defense games. You know, I do love tower defense. And let me just say, like, that game sounds really fun, but it is not a tower defense game. You know what I mean? Uh, the tower defense is very, it's a very sort of specific genre. But. But I do Listen, love. Man, I like defense games. You're defending it. Don't don't give me too many hassles <laughs> here. <laughs> um, no, it sounds like a really cool game. So, have you discovered anything? Is there any like mind blowing new thing about Star Fox, or you're still basically like shooting laser? You know, like you're you're a pilot. Nah, I mean, listen, it's Star Fox. Um, there are a couple of new vehicles in it. Uh, so you've got your R wing, and then you've got the Landmaster tank, and there's also like this little helicopter thing you fly around in. That sounds. Yeah, it has that sounds like a right. little um, robot that he like drops down that can pick up bombs and like hack computers and stuff. And then there's also a mode where like your spaceship can turn into like a big robot velociraptor and run around that shoots lasers out of its face. That sounds amazing. Um, you know, it's it's great. It is great <laughs> for people who wanted a new Star Fox game. I was one of those people. I like it a lot. Why? That's a delight. So, Dave, what is our second star of the week? Oh, so our second star of the week is that... Okay, this requires a tiny bit of setup. Uh, So, like I've mentioned in the past, I'm a teacher, and some teachers only get paid during the school year, and, like, you just get paid during the school year, and then they sort of leave you to your own devices during the summers, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We actually don't do it that way. We voluntarily like get paid less per paycheck, but we just get paid over the summer as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's I mean like it's not that big of a deal cuz what I did cuz we weren't always that way. And what I did before is I just divided my total amount of pay and I deducted an amount from every check into a savings account so that you know what I mean? Like I just did it manually. Still, but it, it's nice to not have to like do the math every two weeks. Yeah, it is. It is sort of convenient. But the way that our pay is set up is that we actually have twenty six paychecks a year, and I don't actually know why that's the case, but it is. Uh, and so normally, you know, you get paid twice a month, right? Mm-hmm. But twice a year, there is like a third paycheck. In a month. That and just I, sort of like wanders on in. Yeah, it just sort of shows up. And like, 
it's on the schedule, but I don't pay attention to the schedule. <laughs> and so twice, and I think, I'm not sure about this, but I think the month that it shows up changes every year. Okay. So, <laughs> so twice a year, I'm just hanging out, and then I get another paycheck, kind of out of nowhere. And That's it's all, not bad. No, it's great. It's like a delightful surprise. And then also, it's actually extra cool because all of like the deduct, you know, like you get a paycheck and there's deductions and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well, all the deductions are paid on, you know, like a bi-monthly basis. Like you pay it twice a month when you get paid. But with these three, like the third paycheck, all the deductions are already taken out for the month. Oh, And so it's, you know, like I'm still paying taxes on it and stuff, obviously. But it's like an extra couple hundred bucks because teachers have, oh, let me clue you in, by the way. Uh, my paycheck has enormous deductions. Like, cr- oh, sure. I mean, any sort of public servant, like, yeah, exactly. Like me and every so other public servant into the system that that's just, what yeah, happens. that's just like the nature of the beast. But a lot of those are, are taken out already. And so by the time I get this third paycheck, uh, it's like an extra, it's like an extra 200 bucks or something. So yeah, so it was just chilling out all of a sudden. It's just like, bam, extra paycheck. It's awesome. That is amazing. I did not get a bonus paycheck, but I did get my tax return back, which is very nice. Yeah, we actually finally got a return this year. Like for the, I think for the last, my entire married life, I've, we've never gotten a tax return. We've always somehow ended up owing money. And so this year, <laughs> we were like, we are going to just hold back so much. There's no way. There's no way we're going to owe any money. <laughs> and we actually went a little bit overboard, and we got a very nice tax return. So, of course, that means it is time to start buying things, not irresponsibly, but <laughs> a little less responsibly. Right. You've got a little, you know what, Matt? Forget the rest of the stars. Let, <laughs> let's just chat. Let's just chat about this delightful like influx of, I'm not going to say bonus money, but like a little bit bonus money. Like, for example, Dave, uh, yesterday, I kind of out of the blue just bought an Xbox One. <laughs> That's how I did it too, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, uh, I, we just, Beth and I just went to the store to buy uh, a game, and they were like, well, do you want the Xbox 360 version or the Xbox One version? And we were just like, uh, let's just get the Xbox One version and an Xbox One? Yeah, I, I I guess it was a similar thing. I went to the store with a buddy of mine yesterday uh, because his wife was out of town and he wanted to go video game shopping. Um, ah, that's, yeah, that's like the best time to do that. Right, and so... We go in, and he only has one controller for his Xbox One. And so we were looking around for, like, a cheap second controller. And it suddenly got Do- into our heads. Doesn't if exist. I just bought an Xbox One, it would come with a controller, and then we could play Borderlands. And then you would also just have an Xbox One. And then I would just have an Xbox One. And I'll tell you what, Dave. All of those things worked out perfectly. <laughs> um, but the weird thing about it is that, like, since I was getting an Xbox One, obviously I don't need my 360 anymore. Right. Um, and so I traded in my 360. Dave, do you want to guess how much money I got for my Xbox 360 uh, with hard drive, etc.? Um, I want to remind you that a week ago I traded in my copy of Hyrule Warriors and got $32. So, for, I'm sorry, for an Xbox 360, this is from GameStop, right? 
Yes. I'm going to guess a cool $20. Ooh, Dave, you actually lowballed it. It was 25 Wow. Seriously? 25, 25 smackaroos, my those friend. chiselers. Wow, man. But they also sold me an Xbox One for 240 bucks, So I'm not uh, that upset about all it. Right. So, uh, oh, dude, do you have an Xbox Gold account? I do not. I thought about it, um, but I currently do not. I've got, Dave, I've got a lot of things I pay for monthly. I got to get my Netflix and my Hulu and my WWE network. Like, I don't also need another thing. Okay, listen. Or at least I don't know if I need another thing. Maybe I'm wrong. Listen, let me tell you. Uh, you should get one. And here's the, genuinely, here's the only reason why. So, I mean, first of all, it's paid on like a, a yearly thing. It's not like a monthly deduction. But okay. here is why. And they actually did it for the 360 as well, is that every month there are two free games. And they're usually like a year, maybe too old, but they're free. And so I have an Xbox Gold account. I've had one for years and it, like it pays for itself in basically in free games. You see what I'm like, you know, well, you pay I for the like account free games. Yeah. And it's just, okay. So like right this week I've been playing Sunset Overdrive, which came out oh, in like, I heard really good things about that game. Yeah. It's Awesome. It came out in, I think, like late 2014 or something. So it's like about a year and a half. Yeah, it's like a year and a half old. But, dude, this game, and actually, uh, you should. Oh, it just is May now. I don't know if you can still get it. That would be a real bummer for you. Well, I'll check it out. Yeah. But, anyways, uh, Sunset Overdrive is a blast. Uh, Sunset Overdrive has a a humorous metagame or like a metafiction about it. We're like, it's very aware that it is, in fact, a video game. Gotcha. And so, you know, like, there is a narrator that is talking to the dude who, like, the character who is playing the game, and he's saying something about, like, I was like, how do I, he's like, how do I use my new ability? And then, like, a narrator shows up, and it says, like, this is how you do it. And the guy's like, wait, who's saying that? What's going on? Um, But it's super fun. It's fun. It's funny. It's pretty quirky. Uh. And a big part of the game is how you move. It's a big, like, open-world action-y game, right? Okay. And a really big part of the game is how you move around the city. Because you're, like, grinding on rails and power lines and stuff. And then you're also, like, super jumping and bouncing off of stuff. And Dude, if, if, the, uh, if the Jet Grind radio games taught me anything, it's that I like grinding on things in games. Yeah, it's very similar, actually, to Jet... Uh, jet Set, Jet Grind Radio. It takes like a little bit of getting used to because the game also happens very quickly. But once you sort of get into the groove of playing the game, it actually becomes very intuitive and smooth and a ton of fun. I was telling, uh, I was telling Beth this. The thing that it reminds me most of, and I know you'll get this, is playing Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 2. Oh, the best Spider-Man video game of all time? Yeah, the best Spider-Man video game of all time. Guys, seriously, I would boot up Spider-Man 2 not even to do any... I wouldn't even play the game. I mean, I would be playing the game, but not to like go through the game story just to swing around the city as Spider-Man. It was so much fun. Like, it was just a pleasure to move through the city and experience this virtual environment. 
and uh, and Sunset Overdrive is very much the same way. Like it's just a blast to get around. You know what I'm saying? That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, you can buy it, and it's like I don't know, it's like thirty bucks or something because it is like a year and a half old. But seriously, the gold account. Like, I feel like a commercial saying this, but it totally, I think it's totally worth it. And I don't even like play games online or anything. It's just worth it. Of Super Sentai Brothers brought to you by the good people of the Xbox Live Gold account. Yeah. Hey, I would 100%. Uh, yeah, that would be fine if they wanted to sponsor us. But anyways, yeah, it's totally, uh, totally no, cool. Dave, and I've we, got are, some... we are a listener supported podcast, uh, which I say listener supported. We are supported by one listener. Uh, remember, Nick, you bought me a new microphone. Oh, yeah, that that's great. right. Thanks, That Nick. is the one listener who has supported this podcast. All the people say they're listener-supported, but they're listeners-supported, and that's a different thing entirely. <laughs> we are listener-supported, uh, which is fine. A small-batch artisanal podcast. <laughs> um, so, uh, unique experience for you, the listener. So I actually haven't bought a whole, like, I haven't really bought anything with my, this, like, bonus paycheck slash tax return. We went out to dinner, which we haven't been doing a lot semi-recently, because I, okay. I got laid off, but I got hired back. Like, so there's no, there was no gap. Just, like, teacher stuff? Yeah, just, like, nonsense, like, teacher politics. Like, we're going to lay off a whole bunch of people. Oh, no, wait, you're all fine. I, it was a giant pain. Uh, but everything is cool now. But so we went into dinner last night, and that was very nice. So uh, did cool. you get anything? <laughs> have you bought anything else with your, <laughs> I tell you, with Dave, your newfound did, wealth? But only kind of by accident. So I was going on uh, Amazon the other day, and I needed to pick up a new HDMI cable. Like you do. Because um, I had gotten a thing that needed an HDMI cable, but that thing did not have it. And so I was sort of juggling cables until I got it. Yeah, so I just yeah, went yeah. online. I tossed like... Remember when HDMI cables were like $50? Yeah, that was terrible. Anyway, they're like 6 bucks now. So I go on right. Amazon. <laughs> I toss a uh, an HDMI cable in my cart. I hit like purchase cart. And I don't think about it again. Two days later, I get home to my apartment. And there's a box slightly larger than I had anticipated sitting on my front porch. Dave, it turns out um, I had not checked my cart but there was just something else in it. And so oh. when I went to buy the cable, they also shipped me the SH Figure Arts uh, toy of Red Hawk. So now, to match my uh, Ryu Ranger toy, I also have a Jet Hawk toy. Nice. Uh, dude, I, that I sounds like it pictures. worked out about as well as one could possibly hope. Yeah, it's. I think I had been like sort of planning on waiting until we were done with this season before I bought it for myself. Um, but no, I've just got it. It's great. I'll send you some pictures, <laughs> dude. It's got it's got the bringer sword. It's got the it's got the wing gauntlet. It's great. What? That's awesome. Yeah, send me some pictures. I post them on Twitter, and then I'll uh, then also send them to me because I'm not on Twitter. I was but yeah, say, do that. You thing. won't see them if I put them on Twitter. I sometimes look at our at Twitter. Stuff I found a great Twitter I found I saw someone posted it online and I delighted in it, which I guess has been around forever. But uh, Seinfeld today, like the modern Seinfeld Twitter handle, Dave. I think you were so far behind the loop on that one that it has not updated in a year, and you are finding it now. No, I looked. It updated like last October or something. Okay, well, <laughs> listen, man, I <laughs> am sorry. not a I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only it was six months ago, more than that. Whatever. Okay, but speaking of things from a long time ago, Dave, 
that are Why delightful. Don't we get into this thing from the nineties, Dave. It's episode thirty-four of Jetman. It's traitorous Ryu. Ooh, I think I know where this is going. I have a guess, and we'll be right back after the break. <laughs> Welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 34, The Traitorous Ryu. Dave, so I, I remember before the break, you said that you thought you knew what was going to happen this episode. Were you right? I was like semi-right. The motivation for what I thought was for The Traitorous Ryu was accurate, but it did not play out at all really like I thought it would. So It was. There was a pretty, there was a pretty intense twist. Going on. So, uh, when we open up, we see Ryu, and he is sneaking around Sky Camp. I would say skulking. Skulking is better, because he's not actually being terribly sneaky. And he is doing... It's All I can say is something technical, I guess, because it's not actually... sneaky computer work. Yeah, it's not clear that he's actually what he's doing... Only that he is poking around at some buttons on a computer (laughs) and taking a disc out. The problem is that there's no reason to tell what he is doing. I'm I'm sorry. There's no way to tell what he is doing because none of the technology in Jetman makes any sense. So you can't just look at what they are doing and say like, ah, clearly he is stealing the schematics for Tetra Boy. Now, as it turns out, that's what he's doing. But like, wow, there is no Right, you would not have known that. Just to look at it. But as he is doing this, the chief walks in and she sees him. She's like, oh, Ryu? And then somehow she can intuit, I guess, that the disc that he is holding is the technical data for Tetra Boy. And so she says, why do you have the plans for Tetra Boy? And Ryu just goes, oh. and then he kind of rushes past her and runs away. Now, okay, this is how you know that Ryu is very good at being a super cop and very bad at being sneaky. Because everyone in this building already trusts Ryu. If he just, like, walked in, picked up the plans to Tetra Boy and walked out, no one would have thought twice. But since he did it in the dark, like, crouched over a computer, everyone is immediately suspicious. Yeah, had he just snagged them during lunch when everyone else was watching him... He could have just been like, oh, yeah, I'm taking them home to study them or something. And nobody would have batted an eye. But he does run. And then we see uh, it's like a short chase scene. And it's Ryu in a car. I don't actually know why he's not in his regular dune buggy. He's just in a car. And the other Jetmen are chasing him. So Ryu, or right, Guy rather, is on the bike chasing him. And Akko, Kauri, and Raita are in Raita's dune, or his like truck thing. Uh, and they're all sort of chasing Ryu, and it seems like Ryu looks like he's hitting a detonator, which would imply that he's maybe set up explosives alongside the road. I'm not exactly sure what is happening here. Yeah. And then later on in the scene, it just looks like he was straight up like chucking grenades at the other Jetmen. Because, like, Guy is coming up behind him, and he jumps off of his motorcycle into Ryu's car. Ryu, like, punches him a bunch and knocks him out of the car, while the rest of the Jetmen have pulled ahead and have sort of set up uh, Raita's jeep truck as a barricade. And that's... Then, yeah, that's and what then it Ryu looks just like. throws a grenade at it and drives straight through. Here is the only thing I can think of, is that they're like smoke grenades. Because we're not actually seeing a bunch of flashy sparks. All we're seeing is these huge clouds of smoke. And so I, I think maybe they're supposed to be smoke bombs, 
but we, we don't actually know. So we cut away from there. So Ryu gets away, we are led to believe, and we go to the Viram dimension, and the Viram are stoked. Like, they're very, very excited about this turn of events. And it's great because as they're watching, they're just kind of looking in their viewing screen, like, oh... I guess these guys are fighting amongst each other again. Like, they have seen it at this point so many times that they are not surprised to see the infighting. Uh, yeah, although they don't seem to recognize the degree to which this maybe is a departure from the internal conflicts that the Jetmen have had, you know, like, prior to this. Although, although they do note that this time it is being instigated by Ryu, which is uncommon. Yeah, the uh, that it, which it is. It's very weird. Normally, Ryu is the dude who is on board and like everything's cool, but that is not the case this time. So, we cut to nighttime. Oh and my gosh! Ryu has made a wardrobe change. So he's got the same <laughs> outfit on, except he has gotten rid of his like red Letterman jacket and is now wearing a long black trench coat and then sunglasses. But he's still wearing jeans and his white sneakers and his white sweater. The yes, rest of his is. outfit is completely unchanged. And it's it's like when you went to a Halloween shop and just got like the bad spy costume. And that is what he has decided that spies look like, I guess. Hello, but store so he, clerk. I would like disguise, please. Can yeah. you please, can you please <laughs> yeah, sell me one disguise? And so he's walking around. I think it's like a parking garage or something. It's nighttime, and he's got a radio, and he's talking into this radio. He's trying to get a hold of the Virum and saying he wants to make a deal. This is I don't I don't know why he expects this to work. Like the Virum are just hanging out on the CB, but this is his plan, and of course it works. Right. Not so, that that makes any sense whatsoever. So Gray shows up and is like, so you want to make a deal, I guess? And Mew says, yeah, here's the deal. I have the plans for Tetra Boy. Uh, Tetra Boy is like our newest secret weapon. I will give you the schematics for Tetra Boy so that you can like destroy him or make your own or whatever. Uh, in exchange for Rie. Like, give her back to me and I will give you our secret weapon. Oh, also, I have quit the Jetman. Oh yeah, I'm done with those jokers. And so, God, so he ha- he starts to hand Gray the CD ROM that has the plans for Tetra Boy on it, I guess. And as this happens, it's sort of shot out of his hand. And he turns to the side and he sees Guy there with a pistol. And so Guy has destroyed the disc. And, and then the other gentlemen show up. I want to just call attention to something. You said it's a pistol. This is not the bird blaster. Like, this is not one of his, like, sanctioned Jetman, like, tools. This is just a gun he has. <laughs> yeah. Guy is just, guy just packs heat. Uh, so, they're all like the other Jetman. Ryu, what are you doing? How can you do this? How can you betray? I think it's Guy specifically is saying all this. How can you betray the Jetman? And Ryu says, Destiny changes people. I'm only human. I must. I have to do this thing. And so the Jetmen cross change and they go to attack Ryu and Gray. And Ryu and Gray say, like, do you want to work together this once? And so it's Ryu and Gray versus the rest of the Jetmen. Yeah, and like they are trying to get Ryu to like listen to reason, but he refuses. And like the rest of the Jetmen just get their tails handed to them. 
Well, listen, Ryu still, I would say, is the strongest of the Jetmen, and Gray is no slouch. And so they're fighting back and forth. The Jetmen are losing, and they say, well, we've only got one choice. So they call the Fire Bazooka to, to do this. So while they're setting up the Fire Bazooka, though, Ryu realizes that Guy is totally open and shoots Guy. And what I love about this is that, like, it's the thing that you always want to happen during one of, like, the big setup attacks. Like, they summon a car to transform and jump off a cliff and land in their arms and charge up and scope lock and then fire, like, a big flaming bird cannon at them. And in the meantime, Ryu was like, I could just shoot Guy. Like, there's no reason I can't. He's just standing there. And so he does. He just shoots Guy. And they do get the fire bazooka shot off. But then Guy and Ryu just split. Do you see them? They run into a stairwell. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gray and Ryu. They run into a stairwell that has kind of two stairs leading in opposite directions. And they say, we'll meet up later. And they both run. And then we see the Jetmen and uh, Kaori and Akko and Raito are like, Guy, are you okay? And he says, no, I'm totally fine. Like, you know, barely hit me, which is obviously untrue. But he's, you know, toughening it out. Right. And they're just talking about, like, I can't believe this is happening. What is up with Ryu? Like, not him. He would never betray us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they're like, there's something must be happening. This would never, this can't be true. So we go back to Sky Camp. And it's nighttime again. And Ryu just walks into the hangar where they keep the giant robots. And he puts on his shades. And I guess they're supposed to be special shades or something. Because they let him see all the laser tripwires that are defending the robots. And then he uses his cross-changer slash... Because the cross-changer is also a radio slash, like, you know, technological interface of some nature. Right. And he just uses his cross-changer to shut off all the defenses. So this is where I realized... Okay, so at first I thought, guys, you didn't even change the security passwords. The cross-changer... Like, reuse cross-changer still just works. Come on. But this action, and then I realized immediately afterwards, I was like, oh, okay. The other Jetmen are in on this. Like, this is a work. This whole thing is a trick. It is absolutely a work. However, I don't think that the other Jetmen are in on it yet. And I'll tell you why later. You're totally right. But this is what I was thinking. Okay, okay. But this is the moment that I realized, like, oh, okay. Ryu is not actually betraying the Jetman. This whole thing is is like a trick. All right. So and he, so, so he does, and he steals Tetra Boy. Yeah. So Tetra Boy is flying away, and all of the Jetmen are like, "Oh crap!" Like Tetra Boy is leaving. I guess Ryu is stealing him. And then that's it. They freak out a little bit, and then we go to. This the abandoned? next day. Now, the next this is, day. This is what this means. We're at an abandoned factory somewhere, and Gray is walking around. He clearly has gotten the message from Ryu to meet him there to pick up Tetra Boy. But what this means, since this is clearly hours later, because the sun has come up, is that Tetra Boy has flown away to an abandoned factory, a place that we have seen before a number of times. Oh, this yeah. factory. And it's just like lied down, like, between two buildings, like, kind of out of sight, but he's still a giant robot. And in this time, no one has found him. 
Like, they were not able to follow the trail of a gigantic robot to his, like, secret napping spot. <laughs> so, and so we just see Gray walking around. Oh, and there actually is. There's a pretty great shot of Tetra Boy. But, of course, because Tetra Boy is actually person-sized, in order for this to work, they had to build a tiny abandoned warehouse around him. <laughs> and so we're flashing back and forth. And they actually do a pretty good job. But we are flashing back and forth between shots of Grey walking around a warehouse and then shots of a person in a Tetra Boy costume laying in a miniaturized replica of that same abandoned warehouse. It's great. And so he, Gray is walking around. He finds Tetra Boy. He's about to just, like, take him. And then Ryu calls down from the top of this roof. And he says, hold up. Don't, you know, listen, man. We still have a bargain to fulfill. You have to give me Rie. This is the bargain. I will give you Tetra Boy. You give me Rie. And Gray says, okay, also give me your cross changer. And Ryu says, hey, just look down there. Like, I left it on the ground. I don't need that. I'm done with those people. Like, just reunite me and Rie. To which yep. Grace says, yes, I will absolutely do that. You two will see each other again in hell. And then he just shoots Ryu. Which, come on, Ryu. Of course that's what he was going to do. But the other Jetmen arrive. And they, they look and they see Ryu's corpse by Grey. Gray, like, steps down and crushes the cross-changer underfoot. He attacks the Jetmen, and then as they're recovering, Gray very wisely just says, I'm out of here. So he teleports away and takes Tetra Boy with him. The other Jetmen run over to, like, look, like check on Ryu, and then they, like, Guy is looking at the crushed cross-changer, and he says, hey, guys, come look at this. And then the scene cuts away. Yeah, so we don't actually know what's, like, going on with this cross-changer, but there's something wacky. So we go from there to the Vyrum dimension, where the Vyrum have, I think, the best idea they've literally ever had. So yes. they've got Tetra Boy... And Tran, they all walk into this big room, I guess, where the Vira, where they've got Tetra Boy. And Gray says, so what kind of biodimensional beast are we going to turn this into? Which is brilliant. Right. Like, we're not just going to set Tetra Boy on them because that's just one of their giant robots. We're not just going to make another biodimensional beast because they always beat those. We're going to turn their giant robot into a biodimensional beast and he'll just be this unstoppable engine of destruction. Which is, which, yeah, that's perfect. It also leads me to ask the question, though, why have they not just been tossing biodimensional bugs at the other giant robots? You know, that's an excellent question that we are never going to get a satisfying answer to. Like, I never, like, it lit, I mean, like, listen, I'm not going to front and say that I had thought of this. This literally never occurred to me before this moment. But yeah, why not just throw one of these dimensional bugs at Great Icarus and turn it into a, like, a biodimensional Great Icarus? Like that we, would be brilliant. Like, the, la the only two times besides this they have tried to turn things that belong to the Jetmen into biodimensional beasts was the very first episode when they turned the Chief's uh, jet into the jet monster. Right. And then later when they turned the vending machine in their gym 
into a monster. You know, like, the, those are the two things they've gone for. You know, the only thing that I can think of is that maybe the giant robots are powered by Bradonic energy and would somehow be, I don't know, immune to, well, no, because clearly they think it's going to work on Tetra Boy. Man, yeah, I don't but, even know. Yeah, but remember, Tetra Boy is, like, he's more of, like, an autonomous robot than oh, that's Great right. so maybe, and, man, like, okay. Bird Garuda are. So maybe it's different. That That is a close enough explanation that I'm willing to accept it. And okay. that now we don't have to, like, fret about this for the next, <laughs> what, 16 episodes? Forever. Yeah, right. And so they're about to do this, but... Tetra Boy sort of wakes up and attacks, which is great for two reasons. First of all, it's just fun that he is attacking them. Second, in order for Tetra Boy to be able to interact with the human-sized uh, <laughs> actors who are yeah. playing the four Viren commanders, they just built a giant hand. Like, they built a legitimate Tetra Boy-sized hand to come in from off-screen and grab like swat at gray it's awesome because it's just a hand that's like six feet tall it is amazing there is a similar effect in a uh, ranger once or twice where there's a giant uh Dijusian hand uh, and I, it's always amazing when they sort of play with the scale like that i had actually thought for i'm not going to go into it but i had actually thought about trying to figure out how to build a giant giant hand for a larp prop and I just could not think of a way to do it that was even remotely feasible. And so uh, props haha, to these guys for just building this gigantic hand. Prop to these props. Now, here is hey a thing that happens when Tetra Boy starts to attack. The Viram commanders shout out, how is it moving on its own? Now, Dave. <laughs> how many times have we seen Tetra Boy in action? Uh, I think only once. Uh, I think it's been more than once at this point. It may be, it may be like twice, but I, I remember like one real specific time. But hey, has anyone ever piloted Tetra Boy, or does it always only exclusively ever move under its own like motion? Uh, it only ever exclusively moves under its own motion, Matt. Yeah, there is no pilot for Tetra Boy ever. So the like they are shocked that it is moving around on its own, which I don't know if they just don't know that there isn't like a tertiary team like hanging out inside Tetra Boy to pilot it, but there's not. So anyways, <laughs> so they they like blast Tetra Boy and he kind of quiets back down and then they're all they vacate they're like well we're not sure what's going on with tetra boy but we're gonna leave for now and then once they've already left we see a portal open and ryu's hand kind of grab the inside of the portal and so ryu now when somehow, you say when you say a portal it's a round hatch door that oh, is yeah, built sorry. into something that is made to look like tetra boy's foot so it's just a giant wall painted like tetra boy's foot with a round door in it um, and the door just looks like a cartoon vault door that opens up. It's amazing. Yeah, sorry. I didn't want... It's not like a dimensional portal or anything. It's just a literal, like, well, portal. I'm, uh, I so am anyways. only uh, making that clarification because in just a moment, it is going to be... We're going to be throwing the word portal all around a lot in a second. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do love, though, that the costuming for the Jetman is so consistent that all I need to see is a hand and, like, the red and white fingerless glove on that hand to know that it's Ryu. Oh, absolutely. 
So we get a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, there's an alarm going off, and we just see Ryu, he's just wandering around the Virum dimension. And we're actually about to get some really cool stuff about this thing. But then we, we flash to the Virum commanders real quickly, and they say, like, what's going on? What about Tetra Boy? Is, is this a trap? Like, what's up? And Gray says, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. We have Hell Medusa. And then, Which he's real and then cash just about. just this Hell Medusa monster that, like, is never... It's just there. Like, there is no build-up to Hell Medusa. Like, the only explanation is, like, yeah, it's a Viram monster. It's here. Like, you don't see what it's made out of. Just all of a sudden, they remembered that there needed to be a monster in this episode, and now there is Hell Medusa. Yeah, it's a giant Venus flytrap-looking monster with tentacles. It looks like Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors, if you're familiar with that. But it's like a giant Venus flytrap with tentacles. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a dumb monster, actually. But, you know, so, it, it fills the gap of just like, yeah, sure, here's a monster. Like, that is exactly yeah, what it looks like. Yeah, you gotta like. have one. Here's Hel- Hel Medusa. Uh, it's, it is what it is. So Ryu so, is wandering around, and he's sort of talking to himself slash like, talking to the idea of Rie. And he's saying, like, Rie, please wait for me. I am coming for you eventually, but what I need to do right now is to find the Virum's dimensional transporter. Because this thing is, like, opening portals between dimensions, and that's allowing them to attack. If I can find it and destroy it, then the Virum will be so weakened that we'll be finally able to beat them, and then I can save you. Yeah, so... This is how we find this out, is that his whole plan, we don't know how he's here, because we definitely did see him get shot and be dead. But his whole plan was to trick, it's he Trojan horsed via Tetra Boy. Yeah, it was the Trojan Tetra Boy. It was great. So he's wandering around, and it turns out that the layer of a group of dimension hoppers is not the easiest place to get around. Because the whole thing is set up like a constantly shifting M.C. Escher painting. It's awesome. So, like, he'll walk into a door that's just, like, floating in nothingness. And when he goes through that door, on the other side of it, that door was on a ceiling, and he just falls. And and then he, like, falls onto the floor, and then all of a sudden that floor turns into a ceiling, and he falls again. And it's just this great scene of him trying to navigate between, like, empty spaces and floating doorways and stairways that, like, run upside down until all of a sudden they're not upside down, and he just starts to fall off of them. It's really cool. It's awesome, and I love it because it gives us so much more depth to the idea of the Virum as these like dimension shifters that can kind of hop between. And so, of course, they're very at home in this weird layer that has shifting gravity and portals and all this stuff, and Ryu just has no idea what's happening. It's really hard for him to move around. But he does finally land, and he lands in what looks like kind of a junkyard of broken robot. Okay, it's not actually a, a junkyard specifically. It's just like it's a big black room, and there's a bunch of mist, and we see kind of pieces and parts of robots scattered, uh, scattered around. Now, what this reminds me of most specifically is the, like, the Star Wars trash compactor scene. Yes. Like, that, I feel like, is kind of what they're going for. Because what's happening is he's wandering through, like, these piles of junk and mist, and all of a sudden, the tentacles from Hell Medusa just, like, come out of nowhere and start grabbing him and dragging him around. 
So it attacks him, and it looks like it would probably be over pretty quickly, except it knocks him through another doorway, and then that fight is over, I guess, because the door closes behind Ryu. But then Maria finds... No, 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 sorry. Maria doesn't find him yet, but what he does finally find past this last door, I guess, is the Virum dimensional transporter portal maker technology thing. Yeah, it's just like, like a... It's the weird engine that powers their, like, portal technology. And it's just, like, it's a big tube with a glowing thing inside of it, surrounded by, like, smaller tubes and, like, wires and stuff. It's very unimpressive looking. Yeah, but Maria walks in and she finds him and she says, well, now that you've seen this and you kind of understand how our whole jam works, I obviously I can't let you live. Which is a weird thing to say because she wasn't going to let him live anyways. It's like, oh, we were going to let you walk out before, but now that you've seen the teleporter, then no, 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 no. That's it, right. And so she she is about to attack him and then the other Vyrum commanders come in from another door and they're like, well, it's all four of us in our own base versus just you. So there's no way you're going to win this. Ryu, ever the hero, cross changes anyways, and attacks. So they fight for a minute and things are going poorly for Ryu. It's doing yeah. that thing that they do in Sentai fights where like it shifts from like Ryu is fighting Maria now. Now Ryu is fighting Radigan. And it's sort of going like person by person as Ryu gets beat up individually by all these dudes. So then Helmedusa also shows up. It is like shooting, like wrapping him up in tentacles. Uh, Ryu tries to pull out his bird blaster to get a shot off. And then somehow Helmedusa is able to like suck it out of his hand and like swallow the bird blaster. Yeah, I, dude, who knows? Like Helmedusa just seems, like you said, she's sort of a stand-in monster. She doesn't have any sort of theme. And so I get the idea that she just kind of, they just have her do sort of whatever they want to have happen in that moment. So he has lost all of his weapons. He is getting chomped on by Helmedusa and somehow great Icarus shows up. Yeah. Just all of a sudden great Icarus is up in this place, shooting lasers and ruining Vyrum. So we find out that apparently evil Ryu was actually an Android that Ryu somehow built in secret. Yes. So they, they there's a series of flashbacks, right? So now Ryu has gotten away from Helmedusa, and he jumps up into Great Icarus, and the Vyrum commanders are demanding answers. Like, what did you do? How did you fool us? So now we get the whole backstory of the episode. So Ryu is saying, like, listen, like, I wouldn't have been able to fool you if I wasn't also able to fool my teammates. So now we know that up until the point where, like, Android Ryu had been shot, they still thought that was Ryu. Yes. And so in order to make sure that this deception was really, you know, convincing, he also lies to the other Jetman. So here's the deal. He builds this perfectly lifelike Android in secret. Because, of course, that is one of Ryu's many skills. Right. Uh, per- yeah. Replicant building. And so he has his android set this whole thing up. And he is hiding in the foot of Tentraboy, which is how he gets into the Vyrum dimension. But he left a message, I guess, for the other Jetmen 
in his broken cross changer. And it's great so because when, you see like you see the flashback to that. And remember earlier when the guy said, Hey, look at this, and they were looking at the broken cross changer. We see that scene again, but now it closes in on the cross changer. And like a panel pops open, and it's just like it's okay. a mini cassette. Yeah, if any of you were old enough to remember like mini cassettes in answering machines, it's just one of those jammed into the cross changer. It's great. And then so they're like, we we knew, we knew that Ryu would never betray us. Ha ha ha, you dumb jerks. Like now it's on. So Great Icarus goes to destroy the dimensional transporter. Oh, by the way, there is never an explanation as to how Great Icarus manages to get into the Viram headquarters. Okay, I have an idea about that because we see that... Please enlighten me. What Ryu had done is that he had used Tetra Boy to send out like a beacon, right? Right, yes. And if you remember... Half of Great Icarus is Jet Garuda. And in the episode where Jet Garuda was introduced, it was able to fly from the back dimension into the front dimension. So, my theory is that Great Icarus is able to use the dimensional shifting powers of Jet Garuda to follow that beacon into the Virum dimension. Thank you. Thank you. That uh, that was a thing of beauty, man. I'm real impressed. Hey, I've been watching a lot of Sentai, Dave. <laughs> okay, so uh, so they go to destroy in Great Icarus. They go to destroy the dimensional transporter, and they're about to get there, but Helmedusa attacks. Like she turns into a giant Helmedusa, and she attacks, and they go to call Tetra Boy. Like at first they try to resist. It turns out Helmedusa is like crazy strong. And they have to call Tetra Boy to help them out. However, and we actually didn't mention this before because uh, it wasn't relevant, but Tetra Boy is sort of like wrapped up and held up by these giant cables in the Viren Dimension. So he's actually sort of trapped himself. So what we get now is it's cutting back and forth because Great Icarus is wrapped up in the tentacles of Helmedusa. Tetra Boy is wrapped up in the cables. Now, what's happening with Helmedusa is that Helmedusa is sucking the energy out of Great Icarus. And when it sucks out enough energy, it's going to explode and destroy them both. And then Tetra Boy is just sort of like... Struggling against these cables. Like, the extent to which Tetra Boy is sentient is very hazy for me. Because, like, Tetra Boy is not just like robot standing up. Tetra Boy is like fit like you can tell he's struggling. Like this is a robot with emotion. Yeah. Uh... And when he finally does get free, because he does, and he shows up, they're like, oh my gosh, Tetra Boy came to save us. Thank you, Tetra Boy. Yeah, there is very much a vibe. Like that when they talk to Tetra Boy, that they are talking to something that does have some degree of sentience. So Tetra Boy does show up like, attacks Helmedusa and manages to free Great Icarus, who then launches the Bird Mazer attack, which is, like, their giant energy bolt out of uh, Great Icarus's chest. They destroy Helmedusa, and they are about to turn around and destroy the transporter. Now, before they get a chance to do this, Gray shoots out, like, this weird energy beam out of his robo-chest. 
and like powers up the dimensional transporter and uses its energies to banish the robots from the Virum dimension, which is good thinking on Gray's part. Like, there's that thing clearly has the ability to send things away from that dimension. Yeah, and I think that is, I mean, in that moment, that's how they managed to save this whole thing, because otherwise that would have been it. So the Jetmen are back on Earth, and we just see the two robots in the background, and the Jetmen have exited the Great Icarus, and the Chief is running up. The Chief is super impressed with this whole plan. She thinks it was a great idea. Yeah, and Rhea was sorry because he's like, man, we got so close and we didn't quite destroy it. But at this point, everyone is in really high spirits because they realize, like, no, we didn't win, but we almost won. And if we had managed to do it, then, like, the Viren would have been really crippled. So, like, now we know that it's possible. Yeah, this is, victory is achievable. It's within sight. So, hooray us. Then uh, there is a really quick moment where Guy says to Ryu, says, don't worry, like, we'll get him next time, partner. And I was like, partner, what? Yeah, I was super happy about that. And then uh, they look up at the giant robots and they say, thanks, Tetra Boy. And Tetra Boy does a little dance. <laughs> Thank you, sentient uh, giant robot that we built in our lab. Uh, and it does a little dance of celebration. And then Ryu sort of silently, there's a voiceover, and Ryu silently promises that he will save Rie. He says, I will come for you. And then that's the end of the episode. Yeah. So, Dave, what is your high point of the week? Man, uh, this was a really rad episode. Uh, I love the whole plan. I love that Ryu did this like tricky thing because that's not Ryu's jam at all. But I think my high point, man, it's like it was kind of like my high point last week. But I really like that Guy refers to Ryu as partner. I just, I'm really into it. That is a great moment. I think my high point is one of two things. It is either, like, reuse sneaky outfit. Yes. Which is amazing. <laughs> or, and this is the... Uh, I feel like I have to at least give it an honorable mention because this is the point where my notes go into all capitals. Um, <laughs> when Great Icarus shows up in the Virum dimension, my notes just say, like, oh, dang, it's Great Icarus. <laughs> because like to that like you know like Ryu was in real trouble and then all of a sudden not only are the other Jetmen there they brought their biggest toys with them and they're just ready to crush everything <laughs> and it was great so uh, what was your low point this week I think my low point has to just be that there is zero explanation as to how they get Great Icarus actually into the Viren dimension I mean it opened up a really beautiful moment for us, Matt, and for you specifically, because I just want to let you, I want to compliment you again on the deftness of that mental justification as to how they get this giant robot in there. But it would have, like, come on, man. You couldn't give me, like, one line where they just say that something about Jet Gar like, anything. Dude, they don't have time for that. They don't have time. They need to spend all 22 minutes of this episode with, like, secret trench coats and exploding punches. They don't have time to explain the technology. This is, the th like, so many things. Like, honest to God, Matt, you and I would not have a show <laughs> if every episode they included a five-second line about like, oh yeah, this is how this thing happened. This show would not exist. So I mean, I guess thanks for not putting that light in there. 
but it just come on, man. Give me give me something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, about, uh, how about you, man? You got a you got a low point for this one? Yeah, man. Hell Medusa was the worst, right? Yeah, Hell Medusa was a real dumb monster. Like I get that they needed to have a monster because otherwise, like. Because they needed to have a giant thing to fight and the Viram commanders don't go giant the same way that the Goma commanders did. But, like, boy, they really, like, they were going Man, through the rejected had, monster pile there. They could have done a bunch of things. They was they were surrounded by robots. They could have been like, oh, we cobbled together this guardian out of the defenders of the other dimensions that we've destroyed. Like, something. And instead, we just get, like, a stupid, giant Venus flytrap-looking monster. That was real dumb. Yep. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this one, Dave, or can we get out of here? No, man, I'm tapped. All right, I got to go play Fallout. Dave... <laughs> That's going to do it for another episode of the Jetman with the Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind all of you, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter or see those pictures of that toy I bought, we are on Twitter at supersentibros. Uh, if you like the show, and boy, I hope you do, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. We'll see you next week.